0: Welcome back to 444's, the most accurate podcast here at none other than 444football.com. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by a very good friend in life. Before the next couple of weeks for both of us get shaken up with uh, some quick vacations, it's none other than John Paulson. Paulson, how's everything going for you?
1: Things are going pretty well. Yeah, I'm going uh, to a tournament in... uh... Vegas in a couple of weeks, but uh, maybe we can record before that. But uh, I know you're you're off next week, and uh, I've got Matt Harmon coming on. So excited to talk to him about some uh, receivers
0: tournament for what? Am I missing something in sports? Are you playing oh. sports that I'm not aware of?
1: What's going on? My my son's uh, club basketball team has okay. a annual tournament in Las Vegas. They have I thought Las you Vegas. were still playing like rec leagues, and I, no. I needed
0: to dive into that more. Actually.
1: No, definitely not. I'm i I'm, I'm I hung him up a while ago. He's he's the one but playing right now.
0: I still actually get scared because I'm typically a long term thinker, and I know that pickup basketball, like there are far too many torn ACLs uh, for doing nothing just for rec league basketball. And so, like I actually don't play for that reason because I don't want to have to recover at age thirty four from something just completely unnecessary like that. Uh, I don't treat all of life that way, but pickup basketball seems to be the one activity I prefer to avoid at all costs.
1: Well, I, I like playing, but uh, it was and like- And you used to play only, in college,
0: obviously. I used to
1: play in college and I like to play after, my knees started to, to kind of give out. And it was the one form of exercise that I actually enjoyed. I, I don't like running and walking, any of that kind of crap. I just like to so play basketball, but I have to find something else to do now.
0: Will you be at the Expo in Canton?
1: I'm not going to Canton for the Expo, no.
0: That's unfortunate. I was just going to say because I think you, as people will eventually find out down the road at some conference, you, Rich Rebar... Pat Thorman, Evan Silva, are the four that I think throw people off the most when they see you in person. Because right now you're hunched over your mic, right? They can't tell how large of a human being, like tall you are. And then when they see you, you are just a, a dominating, overpower figure at any bar you walk up to.
1: Yeah, I'm six foot eight, so I surprise it's a incredible. lot of people at that height. Yeah, it's uh, I'm a jolly green giant. Not always jolly, but I'm definitely a giant. They
0: are not here, though, to listen to us talk about our sizes. Uh, Quick spring cleaning before we jump into our tight end rankings. Do not do not hit that fast forward 15 second button. I'm watching you over there on your feed because I quickly want to say we had some questions about which rankings, which projections we were doing last episode, if you want to check that out on the feed, for our quarterback summit. And I just want to clear this up because this is the first time in 4-4 football history that this has happened where we have someone else. I am now paid to argue against you. Uh, We have your projections, right? And those are what we give everyone. And those are carefully curated and they're done by you. But also for the sake of ADP, since best ball and underdog in particular is a forever in motion site for everyone. It's constantly updating, constantly moving. We now have my best ball tiers, which are essentially my best ball rankings, which I do according to ADP and tiers wise. And so I basically... I'm looking at your projections for the sake of this plot, but I'm also stating my case for players that I think are higher and lower. And so everyone should be taking, yet again, the big picture takeaways. And I know also you go back and adjust those projections for everyone. But yes, the rankings tab and every position sorted now, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end for everyone, even kickers and defense as well. The rankings tab is where we're getting this from and arguing about. Also, since we're here, Now is the advertisement portion because remember, right now it is the early bird special at four for four to get all of these projections to see every team preview that I'm posting on the site right now. Uh, By the time you're hearing this, I think eight. The AFC West and the AFC North will be up for you to read behind the paywall and also the projections to view. And remember, you can use the earlier bird special, but more importantly, it's, it's such a great deal if you haven't signed on to Underdog just yet. And all you have to do is use the promo code 444 and deposit $10. And then you get that free pro sub to access everything I discussed. So just remember, that's how you can get access to everything we are talking about on this particular episode and past shows. And with that, I want to get started at the top of tight ends because I think we have an argument already as for the tight end one overall, because last year for the first time since 2015, it was not Travis Kelsey. It was Mark Andrews. We also now ship Marquise Brown out of this offense. At the same time, we ship Tyreek Hill out of that offense. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on who you believe the tight end one will be. And is there a path for anyone else to finish inside the top two tight ends, or is it strictly Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey's show here?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have not really thought about who who might else be the tight end one. Um, but let me just answer your first question first. Uh, the Mark Andrews Travis Kelsey thing is is I'm sort of flip flopping in my brain every so often on it, but um, I think the the thing with Kelsey is that his efficiency numbers dropped a little bit last year. He had his lowest uh, yards per catch, uh, lowest since 2015. His yards per target was a career low. Uh, his receiving yards last year were still excellent, 70.3 um, yards per game, but it was his lowest since 2017. So I think the, you know maybe the writing is on the wall a little bit. He's turning 33 in October, and maybe he's slowing down a little bit. Uh, I do think that in this offense with Tyreek Hill out of there, he's the one – guy that's sure to see a lot of targets every week so i think he's a, i think he's a very safe pick i do have andrews slightly higher right now um he just had a really strong season last year i think lamar jackson being back uh, probably will end up helping him more than hurt him uh they do want to run the ball more but um you know andrews and i think to a lesser extent rashad bateman are pretty safe plays in that passing game because they can't They can't run it, uh, you know, every time. So I I think Andrews is pretty safe as well. And he's just more of an up-and-coming, maybe still has his uh, best football ahead of him type player. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in a month if I had Kelsey slightly ahead of Andrews. I think one, two, you can't go wrong with either one of these guys. Um, To answer your question about the, you know, is the third guy viable, um, there are paths for people, but I think it might require an injury to one of these two players, uh, Andrews or Kelsey, in order for somebody else to sneak in there um Kyle Pitts is interesting if you know if he can get things going in the tight in the touchdown department uh he's definitely got the yardage and the numbers there but he's you know he's seeing a quarterback downgrade so uh the next few guys I'm not that excited about
0: there we go now I'm off mute Mark Andrews didn't necessarily explode he didn't become a true league winner until Tyler Huntley took over that's when Andrews averaged just under 10 targets per game and a 28 percent target share but at the same time and this is a this is a stat I'm going to cite for another tight end as we move along later in the show, but I tend to look at the fact he was still on the field for a career high in snaps, 75%, a career high in routes run, 93% of the team's quarterback dropbacks. And then he ran a team high number of routes from the slot. Basically everything we want from our tight end, the ensuing results got there. But even if the results didn't get there, I don't want to argue regression or anything because of those rate stats. And so that's why I keep going back to Mark Andrews as well. At that same time, Travis Kelsey, as I wrote in the team preview, led the team in targets inside the 10- and 20-yard line. Uh, And that matters since this offense, again, in the team preview week seven on, a shallow passing team. Uh, Patrick Mahomes led the league in percentage of throws behind the line of scrimmage in particular. And so I think Kelsey leads the Chiefs in targets pretty easily, actually. And Mark Andrews leads his own team in targets as well. And so it's hard to argue for or against them. Uh, I think you're nitpicking, Uh, not you in particular, but I think if you're, if everyone's trying to argue for one of them, I think they're nitpicking because both are such solid options, especially in tight end premium. I think both should be going in the first round. Uh, And that's kind of where it stops for me. Having said that, there is a question in the chat, for instance, Greg Kellogg asked, how do you tier your players? And I will say in my best ball tiers at the site, I have them according to how I believe they can and will finish. So for instance, Kyle Pitts is going in the third round, typically on underdog right now, but I have George Kittle and Darren Waller tiered with them in the first tier, because I think all three of those guys could just as easily finish as the tied in one overall as Andrews and Kelsey, even though the latter two's odds are still better than the other three. But of course George Kittle could finish as the tight end one overall, and we'll get there. So that's how I like to tier them instead, not really about their ADP, but about where they should be grouped together. And with that, I want to move on actually to the next three because that's where it stops for me. There's a clear tier cutoff after Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and George Kittle. So I'm curious to get your rankings on those three and just your thoughts overall on them.
1: Yeah, I'm just a little down on, on Waller and Kittle uh, for a couple different reasons, Waller's got Devontae Adams coming in to that offense, and anytime a target hog like that comes in, it's going to affect the other pass catchers. And it might be, you know, Hunter Renfro that might be the one that gets hurt the most, or the peripheral uh, pass catchers in uh, Las Vegas. But I think Darren Waller's, you know, his chances of him seeing 140 something targets are pretty slim now. Um, so that's a little bit of a downgrade for him. But he does. You know, he's obviously a big part of that offense or has been, and he's got a decent to good quarterback situation with Derek Carr. So he's fairly safe where he's going. Um, I just don't think that he has that monster upside unless there's some sort of injury to Devontae Adams. And then George Kittle, um, he, I love him as a player. I think he's a phenomenal talent and everything. The The issue there is the, the change in quarterback to Trey Lance. Um we are going to, it's already a pretty run heavy offense in San Francisco. And now we have a quarterback who's likely to have, you know, quite a few uh, designed runs and scrambles that maybe uh, Jimmy G would just, you know, turn into pass attempts. And those, those targets are going to hurt all the receivers a little bit. And I, I think Kittle, um, you know, he missed one of Lance's two starts, but he saw just two targets in Lance's week 17 start. And he only saw four of Lance's 71 targets on the season. I don't think this is like a death death knell to Kittle's fantasy value this year, but like Waller, I'm I'm just worried, and I'm a little worried about Pitts too. Going from, you know, Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, uh, just these next few guys are seeing some downgrades in my opinion in terms of role and quarterback play.
0: Do you think as because the ADP I mentioned earlier, Kyle Pitts usually going in the third round, Waller and Kittle going in the fifth round according to underdog ADP right now, which is why in our underdog top 250, I have Kittle and Waller jammed up because I don't think anyone can say clearly that Pitts is going to be that much better than Waller and Kittle. So do you think he is unequivocally Pitts, the tight end three, or should he be treated more like Waller and Kittle in drafts?
1: I think he's the one of the three that we really know what his role is going to be. And we know that he's going to see a lot of targets. Uh you would think that with Waller. I mean, we think that he'll see a lot of targets, but he's not going to be near the number one target on on the team if Devontae Adams stays healthy, in my opinion. So I think that's the the difference between Pitts and Waller. Uh, and then Waller has the better quarterback situation. So that's why I have him at, you know, I've got a half PPR, one, you know, Pitts 142, Waller 139, George Kittle, 138. They're kind of jammed up there. And I probably would be I, I'm not taking any of these guys where they're being drafted. I'm probably, you know, either targeting Andrews or Kelsey. And then if they don't, if they're off the board before I'm able to get them or just not able to get them for whatever reason, then I'm probably going down the list uh, further down the list at the, there's just a lot of depth. I think this year at the tight end position,
0: I want to refute Waller just a bit, because I think that's the case. A lot of people are making is that he immediately becomes the lesser option with Devontae Adams now there. And perhaps that's the case, but also and running the six most routes against man coverage among all tight ends last year, also leading the Raiders in out routes, even though with those shallow routes, he still had a three-year low in catch rate, 59%. Um, I do actually think he's due for a bounce back. We're only one year removed from him leading all tight ends in red zone targets and scoring a career high nine touchdowns. And then through 11 injured appearances last year, converted only one of eight end zone targets into a score. So I do think there's, actually a clear path for Waller to bounce back and maybe see the softest coverage his entire career if Adams takes the best defenders and bracket coverages with him. And so I do actually want to be higher on Waller, and that's why I have Waller higher than Pitts because I do think Waller's like touchdown ceiling is actually higher than Pitts. I also believe in the Raiders' offensive environment, you know, relative- much more than Atlantis. Uh, I think the Raiders are going to score significantly more points than the Falcons will. Um, so yeah, I actually want to be higher on Waller. And then for Kittle as well, I, the floor is just so safe to me. It's like why Austin Eckler is my RB3 overall, and we'll get there in a couple of weeks. But you can't go wrong given his role. And same for George Kittle. He's actually led all tight ends in yards per route run and hasn't finished any lower than the tight end four in fantasy points per game since 2018. He's sturdy. He's always there despite his role because he's always on the field as their best blocker as well. He's just going to be there all the time. And so you can't fail with Kittle as well. And that's why I still like being higher on those two. And I'm still trying to get Waller and Kittle since those are the two whose ADPs are depressed if I miss out on Andrews and Kelsey. And that's kind of how I'm handling it. If I don't get those two, if I miss out on Andrews and Kelsey, in that case, then I am waiting unless this next player, Dalton Schultz, we'll get there in a second, is still hanging around past his ADP.
1: I would just add on Waller that he did have 90 catches, 1,145 yards, just three touchdowns, but that was on 117 targets. Now it's back in 2019. So that sort of outcome I think is possible. He was significantly better on a per-target basis and a per-catch basis that year than he was the following year when he got peppered with 145 targets. For just 100 or 107 catches, um, but he only had 1196 yards. So the yardage, you know, per catch was significantly down uh, from 2019 to 2020. But I think the 2019, to your point, uh, that that sort of an outcome is possible. You know, he sees about 115, 120 targets, is more efficient and ends up in the top three. You know, as far as being a fantasy tight end, in the top three. Maybe he has some decent touchdown. Uh, numbers as well uh, higher than the three that he got that year maybe it's six to eight or something like that that that's certainly within the realm of possibility
0: moving on because this is where i think there's a major tier break and this is really when you need to start questioning how you should handle tight end do you believe this is really the dead zone when we get to this next group of tight ends and i'm curious really who your next let's say four options are
1: I, I don't think that the tear break is as big here because Dalton Schultz was really good last year, and his his whole environment has actually improved. Uh, Mari Cooper's gone. They're really searching for a a second pass catcher there uh, with CD lamb. And I think his targets are extremely safe. and he was super productive last year. Uh, Blake Jarwin has moved on. Uh, So I actually have him one point below Kittle right now in terms of projected 67 catches for 697 yards, 5.7 touchdowns. He's tied to a good quarterback. Uh, The Dallas defense is probably going to take a step back. So uh, maybe some higher scoring games, more pass attempts there for for Dak Prescott. So I I think he's a very safe pick where he's going. I think he's the better value of, of the last few guys that we've talked about for that reason. Maybe he doesn't have the physical tools that a Kittle does, or a Waller does, or Pitts does for sure. Uh, but he's been really steady and productive for for Dallas. Uh, and I think TJ Hawkinson coming back uh, is—I like his role in Detroit. He's probably going to be uh, the top target there, the second target there after Amon-Ra St. Brown. Uh, they are adding, you know, DJ Shark and Jameson Williams, but these those guys project to me to be lower target type people and and uh, Hawkinson and, and St. Brown will probably be, lead that team in targets. So uh, he's been productive whenever he's been healthy, and I think he's got a pretty good rapport with uh, Jerry Goff as well. So I have him at 7, and then you asked for 4, so I've got Dawson Knox, You know, high touchdown potential there in Buffalo, but low volume, uh, so he might have some bad games for you, but could also have a two-touchdown game uh, playing with Josh Allen. And then I've got Zach Ertz at 9. Uh, he's a little tough because he – uh, I think he'll start off really hot with DeAndre Hopkins out the first six games. He'll be, you know, him and Marquise Brown probably leading the way. Uh, and then you wonder what his production will be once Hopkins returns because we did see a dip in his production when Hopkins was on the field last year.
0: Lots of thoughts here. A lot like how I think everyone's overthinking the Chiefs' receiver options and reaching for your Sky Moors, your Mikko Hardmans, when the answer is probably just draft Travis Kelsey, even if you need to go above the field, just get Travis Kelsey instead. I feel like that's what's happening with Dalton Schultz or what should happen with Dalton Schultz rather than being high. And I do like Jalen Tolbert, James Washington, at their respective ADPs in the later rounds. Also, you can just say, well, when he played next to Michael Gallup last year, Dalton Schultz Uh, He finished as a top 12 tight end. So a tight end one in seven of his last nine starts. Like the answer, rather than going for all these other options, is probably just Dalton Schultz, which is why he's safely my tight end six as well. And then for Dawson Knox, his ADP is not reflecting our ranking as the overall tight end eight, because everyone is citing touchdown regression, Um, career high nine touchdowns, and all of those touchdowns came inside the red zone. But I, I think also, again, you need to step back and not just look at the results and say, at the same time, he played a career high in snaps, 90%. He ran a route on 84% of dropbacks. And then when he returned from that wrist injury suffered mid-year, he actually ran a route on increased 90% of Josh Allen's dropbacks in his last 10 starts. And again, those are the kind of rates I look for, especially with a player of Dawson Knox profile who does scream he should score touchdowns in the league. Uh, it's it's like arguing for D.K. Metcalf with Geno Smith. Like, yes, it's probably unsustainable that he scored five touchdowns in four games, but also D.K. Metcalf's profile screams he should score his touchdowns. That's what Dawson Knox is. Also, this team, I understand Brian Dable moved on, but this team still ran the fewest personnel sets for multi-tight end sets, right? So... O.J. Howard isn't getting on this field. O.J. Howard couldn't get on the field in Tampa. Uh, So this is all Dawson Knox. So I definitely want to be higher than consensus on Dawson Knox as well. My issue for T.J. Hawkinson, I have him as my tight end nine, and the jury's out here. I still believe he could be just a floor player, right? Uh, Tight end 15 in fantasy points per game last year, despite seeing career highs in targets per game with seven and target share 21%. And so like, I don't know if those rates increase given the extra talent and if do- if he can be anything more than a pretty much a touchdown or bust option. Um, I'm not as high on the Lions offense. I'm high on their their building uh, and the way they're structuring this entire organization, but I'm not as high on their offense in 2023 as a lot of other people are. So I do worry that TJ Hawkinson is nothing more than really a floor option.
1: Yeah, I have, I have Hawkinson uh, with, Tied with Dalton Schultz with the seventh most fantasy points per game, half PPR last year. So I think the production uh, was there. Um, I'm not too worried about him. I, I get what you're saying about the Lions offense. Could be a little bit better. I think the offensive line is going to be better, uh, which means he won't have to block at all uh, and go out there in pattern. So I'm, you know, I feel relatively comfortable with Hawkinson. I'm not targeting him, I wouldn't say. I'd be more, a lot more excited to get Schultz in those middle rounds.
0: Uh, I would like for you to round out the rest of your uh, low end tight end one rankings.
1: Okay. So I I said Ertz at nine and then I got Dallas Goddard at 10. I moved him down a little bit um, after doing some research for my draft notes and just looking at his splits with Jalen Hurts. They're pretty ugly. Uh, And on top of that, uh, well, it was one huge game came with uh, uh, came with the backup quarterback there and Gardner Minshew had a hundred yards and two touchdowns with Minshew in there. So he's probably rooting for Minshew to win the job. Uh, splits with uh, Hertz are pretty ugly. And now we've added AJ Brown to the mix. Uh, we don't know how pass heavy the Eagles are going to be. Uh, you know, we, The idea is that, or the thinking is, is that the AJ Brown signals, that, that trade signals that they want to be more uh, pass heavy like they were at the start of last season. But Hertz, they determined at some point last season that Hertz couldn't take advantage of that. They went very run heavy. Won seven, lost three of the last 10 games. And we we think that they want to go back to passing the ball more, but I don't know if that's going to stick or if it's going to be more of a balanced attack. Uh, it went from pass heavy to pretty run heavy. Uh, so I'm a little worried about Goddard. He's kind of in that dead zone to me where I I don't know. I'm just not – I like him as a player, but I'm not sold on this offense with him as a third option. Uh, I moved Pat Friermuth up. Uh, his – splits without Eric Ebron are really impressive like top 5 type numbers. Uh the, the question there is obviously the change at quarterback. We don't know if he's going to get peppered with his main targets uh from uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh the, the rookie there uh, as he was by uh, uh Ben Roethlisberger. Um but he, you know, his pace was pretty good. It was 4.1 catches, 37 yards, 0.63 touchdowns, big red zone target and they don't really you know, have, I guess, Claypool's got pretty good size. Pickens is pretty got pretty good size. But they seem to like to look at Muth in the red zone. So I got him at 11. And then you're really getting into where I see a lot of disparity between my rankings, ADP, other people's rankings, et cetera. Right now, I've got Noah Fant at 12. Uh, he's been really a productive uh, tight end. He's, he's improved. He's a fantastic athlete. And if, if Drew Locke wins that job then I've got pretty good confidence that fans can have a pretty good year. Um, But if it's Geno Smith, then that might change things a little bit. We're not exactly sure who's going to be the quarterback there. We don't know what sort of rapport he's going to have with Geno Smith. We know that Drew Locke likes to look his way. Uh, So that takes me down to 12. Do you want me to stop there while you respond?
0: Yeah. Do you think this then after, I guess you would call it Dawson Knox, that's really the dead zone and where you're not really drafting tight ends anymore, including, Pat Fryermuth and Noah
1: Fant. Uh, I have to look at their ADP. Uh, Fryermuth going pick one twenty-five, so that's
0: Noah Fant's going far, yeah, far, 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 yeah, that. yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: he's Noah Fant's going tight end twenty. Uh, this is what I'm saying. Like when you get into these tight end two ranks, it's there's going to be a lot of opportunity if you available if you believe in somebody like Noah Fant, um, or David and Joku, uh, or somebody like that, because those guys are going really, really late. Uh, Friermuth going in the eleventh round. I think that's fair. I wouldn't mind grabbing him there. Uh, I'm not looking necessarily for him as my tight end one, but if if we get through the first ten rounds and I don't have a guy yet, he's a pretty solid addition. I mean, it's interesting to see Irv Smith going tight end twelve. Uh, if you're just looking at ADP, but you know, as far as what you're saying about dead zone, I think you you've got a group of you know eight, seven or eight, uh, including Knox and Hawkinson that you like, maybe Ertz. And then you get into a group of maybe 10 or 15 tight ends that all could, you know, finish as tight end ones. Um, so it usually pays to wait, especially in best ball where you can just grab two or three of the guys and have a committee and just take the good games when they come. I understand in regular redraft leagues, you, you want to get a weapon, uh, that you can start every week. And that's why it's nice to have a, a Kelsey or an Andrews.
0: How are you approaching this position then if you do miss out on you know, one of the top 10 players? Would you be inclined to just wait until the end and grab one with a good week one matchup? Are you then still stuffing two in a shallow bench redraft league? Uh, how are you handling really the, the rest of these options in this middle zone?
1: Yeah, so for best ball, I probably would just wait and grab three guys you know, in the rounds, twelve plus or thirteen plus, uh, three guys with some upside, and there's a lot of them. Uh, if it's a if it's redraft, I probably would draft two guys with upside, and hope that one hits. Uh, and usually there is somebody interesting, like I mean, you know, Fant is interesting. A Cole Kmet is very interesting this year. Is probably the number two target uh, in Chicago. Uh, Jimmy Graham is gone, so hopefully Kmet will you know score some touchdowns this year. Um, Hunter Henry caught a bunch of touchdowns last year for Mac Jones. Uh, don't really see his role changing. I know there's some concern about touchdown regression there, but he's been a good receiving, proven receiving tight end for several years now. And, you know, we went into last year thinking Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry, who's going to, you know, break out. And Henry had the, a lot longer uh, receiving resume, and he, is, was, he was the guy. Uh, and still probably the best red zone option that they have there uh, in New England. Uh, Mike Gesicki sees a ton of routes like you're a little bit concerned about him with Tyree Kill coming in uh kind of a similar situation as Darren Waller um, but Gasicki's going from the number two target there to number three probably uh Alberto for for Denver um, he's super athletic guy uh you know we're concerned about uh, was it Greg Dolchich Yeah, Uh, look look up his name. I'm not really concerned about rookie tight ends coming in and eating, you know, Alberto's lunch, but Alberto's unproven. Uh, He has done well when he's had chances to play a lot. Uh, His highlight reel is really fun to watch. If you look at him, he's just this big dude who can really run fast. Uh, And then the questions about Russell Wilson, whether or not he's going to target tight ends over the middle of the field. He hasn't really in his career. Herb Smith another upside pick from last year who missed the entire season, um, but should be the third or fourth option for Minnesota, which would be more of a pass heavy uh, attack. So that sort of rounds out. And I wouldn't say that's all of them, but that rounds out like the top, like breakout type candidates where you're sort of excited about these guys. And maybe you want to grab an Alberto and an Irv Smith and hope that one of them breaks out.
0: That's why I consider this the dead zone and why I'm trying to avoid it. Having said that, I do prefer, getting the options where I'm comfortable with their offense and quarterbacks. That's the real issue here. Uh, Justin Rodriguez, for instance, in the chat, even mentions, do you think Gerald Everett could break out? And I will say, I don't know if Gerald Everett can break out after he had career highs and targets and catches last year, but the fact that we now take Jared Cook away from this offense, and then also, I just like to look at Justin Herbert having a top, 380p at his position. Like, I want the late round tight end, athletic tight end, who's attached to a quarterback with a top 380p. That's awesome. So, of course, why would I, why wouldn't I take that chance? Especially since Gerald Everett's going after guys like Evan Ingram, who like we, we blow the scoring rates, like Doug Peterson featuring his tight ends, way out of proportion, Uh, especially because Doug Peterson coached Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard in all their primes. Like, of course he got them the ball. It reminds me of when Nick Mullins made a start for Cleveland last year and everyone was citing how good Nick Mullins is. Like, yeah, Nick Mullins played with George Kittle. Of course he's pretty good. And then guess what happened when he didn't play with George Kittle? He didn't look as good. Um, Just be very careful about citing all those ridiculous stats. So while I am higher on Evan Ingram, He's also a player who performed poorly the past two years and is on a one-year deal, and everyone's just assuming he's going to run all these routes. Again, I want him at value, but if Daniel, Dan Arnold ended up winning the job by the end of the year and outplaying Evan Ingram, literally would not be the sh- most shocking thing ever in Evan Ingram's career. Like, if anything, like maybe we just start projecting that for him. And so between that, between... Um, you mentioned Noah Fant. You have him the tightest twelve. From Drew Locke, you know, the past two years, Noah Fant has still averaged four catches per game, and he's finished as the tight end 14 and tight end 13 in points per game, like despite that surrounding core. So he's been a fringe tight end one this entire time and should be treated as such. I've also heard, uh, I've heard the results Cam Brate had without Rob Gronkowski last year, but also Cam Brate is the starting tight end attached to Tom Brady. Around this range, to me, that's good enough. I do not care about the ensuing results. That's a player, like, in an offense I would much rather take chances on and perhaps get wrong than some of the other guys, like David Njoku, for instance, from Jacoby Brissett. It's just not worth it in the end. So that's how I'm kind of sorting through this entire range. Comet is interesting. You mentioned him. He did average seven targets per game across Justin Fields' last seven starts. Uh, also, Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham vacate 35% of Chicago's end zone targets. We expect Komet to soak up a lot of those. So that's why I want to be higher on him. But yeah, I would just be very careful for everyone out there like about who you're taking in this range. Because a lot of times, like Gerald Everett, not like Irv Smith right now, who you mentioned is, a, is the tight end 12, like Robert Tunyon, who was playing at mandatory in Manicamp, and we expect to be healthy for week one, and we know it splits the past couple years without Devontae Adams. It was only two games, but as a red zone threat, still, Tunyon produced five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown, and six catches for 98 yards and three touchdowns in his last two games without Adams. And so, yeah, I, I want to take chances on touchdown scores and better offenses, and that's what I'm really looking for in this range.
1: Yeah, I I did some research on Tunyon as well, trying to figure out about that injury. And it's interesting because uh, he apparently was not—he was on the field at OTAs, but he was—he was just rehabbing. He wasn't actually playing, running routes against live competition. And the beat writer, beat writers seem to be a little bit split on whether or not he'll be ready for Week One. The, the team came out and said that he was ahead of schedule, which you know to me means that he's going to be ready to go Week One. So we'll we'll know more about him as camp hits as, as just you know sort of. Where he's at, I think it was Rob Domowski from ESPN who left him off of his 53-player uh, roster, and assuming that he was going to be on pup for the first four weeks, so that would obviously put a dent in his upside if he started on pup. But to just as we get into August, as redrafters are looking for for gems, diamonds in the rough, Tunyon is definitely uh, an interesting player because of what's going on in Green Bay and trusted uh reception uh receivers for for Aaron Rodgers and what he did in the past now he he came off of his career year and was not very good to, in terms of production last season prior to the injury um but I think this is a whole new set of circumstances and he's on a one-year deal so he'll be uh, eager to uh to produce as well but I've moved him from you know 14 or 15 down to 19 just looking at that injury uh situation and it is it's a bunch of a bunch of guys and we haven't even talked about um, Austin Hooper yet.
0: Well, that, that's actually one I want to lead into because we okay. mentioned a bunch of guys, mo- more like the top 24, really, the tight end twos in this range. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on a, on a few players who you think could possibly emerge as a fringe tight end one, uh, touchdown scoring tight end two. Like if you wait truly and punt tight end to the very last rounds.
1: Yeah, and I think there's uh, doing some research on Austin Hooper. Uh, I think there's a chance that he's uh, per- perhaps second in targets in that offense. Uh, Robert Woods, uh, Traylon Burks is there, but Traylon uh, kind of off to a slow start. He's got some asthma. Uh, they're not sure how quickly he's going to you know, get up to speed. And then you've got uh, Hooper, who apparently is out there with uh, Ryan Tannehill and is developing a really nice rapport. Um, my write-up on him is pretty encouraging in terms of his ADP versus where I think he might end up producing. And this is why I'm saying that uh, tight end in general is pretty deep. I mean, he was uh, tight end six in both 2018 and 2019 with Matt Ryan in Atlanta before signing with the Browns. And then his uh, usage dropped. Uh, he had 88 and 97 targets with Atlanta and then that dropped to 70 and 61 of his last two years in Cleveland as they were sort of a run heavy offense. And he was splitting time with David and Joku uh cetera. But the Titans will be run heavy. Um, but there just are a lot of targets up for grabs with AJ Brown gone and Julio Jones, Chester Rogers gone, Anthony Firkster's gone. And apparently he's out there uh, with Tannehill right now, building up a nice rapport. So he he's probably going to be the top red zone target there. If you look at their receiving core, it's not a lot of big dudes. So, you know, Hooper getting 68 touchdowns wouldn't be surprising and getting back to those, uh, those numbers that he had in Atlanta uh, really wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, and another guy that's interesting in that range, kind of outside of the top 24 is Hayden Hurst. Uh, he, he did well with Matt Ryan, uh, and then, uh, Kyle Pitts came and kind of ate his lunch and now he's replacing, uh, CJ Uzuma in the Cincinnati offense, that high flying offense. you know, he'll probably be the fourth option, uh, but he's gonna, he's certainly capable of, uh, you know, having 500 yards and five or six touchdowns. Uh, so having him as part of one of those bet, best ball type committees, uh, is certainly appealing to me. And we mentioned Matt Ryan a couple of times. So why not mention Moelle Cox, uh, who's getting a chance now to be the tight end one for the Colts for the first time, Jack Doyle's gone and he gets a role upgrade and he is getting a quarterback upgrade from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, who, you know, has thrown to Kyle Pitts and Austin Hooper and Hayden Hurst, uh, turned in pretty good fantasy seasons uh, receiving passes from from Matt Ryan. So we're getting into like tight end 25 in my rankings, but that's even further down in terms of the ADP where these guys are going. Uh, some very intriguing names. I think there's – I'm projecting more tight ends this year to get at least 500 yards receiving than I think I ever have. So I just think there's a lot of talent at the position right now.
0: Austin Hooper's an interesting name you mentioned just because he logically replaces Anthony Ferkser. Anthony Ferkser only played 39% of Tennessee snaps last year. We expect Hooper as a snap soaking platoon boat to play significantly more. But on those 39% of snaps, like Ferkser actually ran a route on 93% of Tannehill's dropbacks when he was on the field, which is ludicrous. That's how they used Ferkser. Uh, And so I expect Hooper to be used in that same way, which is great, as you mentioned, for us in fantasy, now that Traylon Burks is reportedly getting off to a very slow start early on, it's something we will definitely monitor in training camp. On Hayden Hurst, I'm, I'm split because we've already seen this with Matt Ryan, as you mentioned. In 2019, ran around on 77% of Atlanta's dropbacks, and even then only finished with like 560 receiving yards, the tight end 16 in fantasy points per game. So like he's already had his opportunity And really was still just a a borderline tight end one, a mid tier tight end two. Having said that, if he were to finish as that, if you gave me those same results at his current ADP, that's a win for us. So there is that, that we can still get value on him right now. Um, And then also you mentioned Moelle Cox, which is great because the Colts have 20 tight end routes per game vacated that we expect to go to Cox after Jack Dole retired and not to Jelani Woods. We don't bet on rookie tight ends typically. Um, and I think CGO Ozoma is also interesting since we know the exact role he's going to play in Michael for scheme. Uh, he was only one of 11 tight ends last year. Azoma was to average over six yards per catch yards after catch per reception. And Tyler Conklin, who they also signed actually led Minnesota's tight ends and pass blocking snaps. That's why he was signed because he's a better blocker. So Zoma makes sense as that move option. He's not George Kittle. He's certainly not George Kittle, but as, as, the George Kittle option that they want in the Jets offense. Lots of mouths to feed in the Jets, but I still think Ozoma at his current ADP, which is basically undrafted, is just fine. And then finally, I think Harrison Bryant is actually a, a terrific bet against David Njoku. Uh Harrison Bryant actually had five top 24 finishes. So five finishes at least a tight end two. And he was the third tight end behind Austin Hooper and David Njoku last year. Yes, there were some injuries that had to pave the way for him to get that opportunity, but he still answered and responded every time he had that opportunity. Jabin Joku only saw seven end zone targets to Bryant's five as well. And so with him being overlooked, knowing that Kevin Stefanski is going to go heavy as he's done the past two years, multi-tight end sets, I think Bryant is a terrific option you can get in the later rounds, especially in tight end premium leagues.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the Cleveland situation is so dicey due to the Deshaun Watson. right suspension and that i mean that that passing attack will be either be an a you know grade a or it's going to be a grade f or d probably with we uh, we prefer quarterbacks
0: to average more than six yards per attempt uh but you know if Jacoby presents out there that's what we get
1: so it's sort of like you know rolling the dice on whether or not you think uh deshaun watson is going to get suspended for the full season or half season or what but you know i'd be a little uh reticent to, to draft the second Cleveland tight end, uh, not knowing what we're getting out of Deshaun Watson, how many starts we're going to there. But I see what you're saying. Um, they are going to run a lot of two tight end. I think I just think that they did make quite a commitment to Njoku, you know, and, and making a statement to, to franchise tag him when that raised a lot of eyebrows around the league. Uh, and I think he's I think he's really talented and really athletic. But, you know, the, the concern with Njoku is the quarterback situation. I think the same thing applies to uh, to Bryant.
0: Let's end with some final thoughts on how to approach the tight end as of July 7th, the time of this recording. It, of course, can change. And when it does change, your projections, my tiers, my rankings, my team previews will also change. But for now, I am putting my foot down and saying I'm trying to get one of the top five tight ends Actually, I'm trying to get one of the top four tight ends because I think Kyle Pitt's ADP is pretty egregious right now, Uh, especially since, again, he's going two rounds before Waller and Kittle, who have a similar ceiling, if not higher ceiling, arguably, than him. So I'm trying to get Anderson Kelsey in the back of the first round of half PPR leagues, which a lot of people are playing right now. Otherwise, I'm waiting and trying to get Waller or Kittle slightly above at ADP in that range. Otherwise, I genuinely don't mind waiting unless you do see Dawson Knox uh, or, da- or Dalton Schultz drop, and they usually don't. Knox does. Schultz does not. I don't mind waiting then and grabbing three, even four tight ends. I like grabbing four late-round tight ends that we know do have touchdown upside and touchdown-only upside, like Breit, Tunyon, Tyler Higbee, who we didn't even discuss, and a Harrison Bryant. That's how I'm approaching the position.
1: And you're talking mostly best ball at this point, right?
0: Uh, the first part I should notate is redraft and best ball. Four tight ends, obviously only best ball. Please do not go into your redraft leagues if you're drafting this early and draft four tight ends. That would be a a waste of your roster.
1: Yes, it's fun to confirm that. In that case, I'm
0: actually drafting one tight end with a very good week one matchup. If I'm waiting that long to punt,
1: uh, I would agree in principle most of that. I think Kelsey Andrews are you know every bit worth a a pick around the turn, and you know it sort of depends on about the format you're in if it's. If it's half PPR, that's one thing. If it's PPR, it's a little bit more. And then if, obviously if it's tight end premium, it's even, they're worth even more. Um, I probably would not, I have to you know, consider your takes on uh, Waller and Kittle. I, I could kind of buy the Waller story. I am really worried about Kittle and that volume of that offense. And, lack of targets you also Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk there that just concerns me in terms of how many pass catchers that Trey Lance is going to support this year Uh, I agree he's a great player I just don't know if the the floor is as high as as you're saying it is I definitely think the Dalton Schultz is a nice value in the sixth round Uh, right now I like that a lot I think Hawkinson at, at pick 85 is pretty appealing as well given his role historical role in that offense and then after that, I'm sort of I understand the Knox appeal, um, but after that, I probably would press pause on the tight end position if I don't have one yet. And certainly for best ball, I would be targeting at least three of these upside guys that we've talked about. And you can go to my projections at any point and see who I who I'm talking about. It's, you know, probably going to be Komet. It might be Fant. It might be Irv Smith. Uh, just sort of depending on which way the wind's blowing uh, in camp and all that. Alberto. Um, I would like to grab three of those in best ball at least, maybe four, uh, as you mentioned. I think in redraft, you probably want to use two picks uh, as you get into the double-digit rounds and try to get two upside guys. and Or you could go maybe with a, a Hunter Henry and then grab an upside guy. So you get your sort of baseline production out of Hunter Henry, and then maybe you get a guy who you know explodes into the top five or eight uh, with one of these upside guys. But uh, similar uh, strategies, I think. I, I think certainly in best ball, you can get some really intriguing players in that 20 to, you know, tight end 20 to 25, 27 range. Uh, some of these Austin Hoopers, Cameron Brates, et cetera, uh, going in that range so late in drafts. And if you put together a, a pretty decent group that's going to be on the field a lot, you're probably going to get those spike weeks from one of those guys. Uh, so you don't really have to worry about when you're starting them. That's the beauty of best ball. Uh, you can sort of wait on the position and get and just use it as a committee. And, you know, the the thing I like about this year is that we've got some talented guys in that 20 to 27 range uh, that are going so, so late. And you can get it on the cheap and, and you know, in a committee they'll produce for you.
0: And with that, Paulson, you'll be back next week with Matt Harmon. Any horizontal tease for everyone?
1: It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about uh, reception, perception, really dig into his numbers, talk about the breakouts. Uh, It's one of our... Uh, most listened to podcast every year is when we have Matt on and I pick his brain for about an hour. Uh, And it's, I I find it really useful for myself. You'll see me changing my projections in real time uh, just by the the glimmer in my eye when we talk about certain players. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. And I think maybe uh, the following week, if we can get together and talk wide receivers, that might be fun uh, to do back to back wide receiver pods.
0: And at this time next week, I will be coming down bow hut in Banff, Alberta. So you will not see me after that. I will be planning accordingly for your recreational league tournament with all your friends. Uh, So until then, we will be back then next week in a couple of weeks with wide receiver and running backs, which is great because then we'll have more time also to figure out some news, uh, get a lot of beat reporter information in that time. By then it'll be time for training camp and everything will pick up by then. So thanks again for everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next week.